Hello and welcome back to the Big Leads Best of Seven podcast. I am Liam McEwen here today with Kyle Coster and we are here to break down the seven best NFL bets for week seven. Lots of S's in that sentence. Really, we're going to get into it. Our number seven, our seventh best bet of the week is a pretty easy one. I have Cardinals favored by 17 over the Texans. The Texans, it turns out, can keep games close when the teams are mediocre or bad. They cannot do anything against half-decent teams. I think the Colts are a little bit better than we think, and there will be more on that later. But the Texans scored three points against their defense. The Cardinals' defense is more dangerous, and as we saw last week, Kyler Murray is afraid of nobody. So, I mean, 17 points is a big line, but Arizona is at home. Hard to, hard to imagine the Texans staying within three scores of them. The Cardinals are the best team in the league right now. I think this is a pretty pretty easy layup here. Arizona has playmakers on offense and playmakers on defense. They can score quickly and they can get the ball back quickly. 17 points is a huge line in an NFL game, even when it's as lopsided as this. But when you're going to bet something like this, you just have to put it out of your mind. Like the, the simple thing is saying like, oh, well, I'm down 17 nothing when the game kicks off. Well, the game is 60 minutes. There's going to be plenty of time for the cream to rise to the top. And Kyler Murray really interestingly has made an argument to be the MVP. And I'm curious what you think about Kay Adams saying yesterday on Good Morning Football that she thinks that he has a higher ceiling than either Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. Well, listen, I mean, when you look at this guy play and you consider his talent level and the kind of coach he's coached by who lets him, you know, just sort of riff off whatever the play call is, it's hard to see a ceiling in sight. But ultimately, it just comes down to winning. Right now, Kyler Murray has not done a lot of winning. Last year, the Cardinals were a good team, then they fell off, and then Murray got hurt. So off to a great start here. I think that uh, Kay Adams is making a bold, bold statement, which is always fun and always good. I'm not quite on her level yet, but the fact that we're even having the conversation speaks to how great Kyler's been this year. With something like that, we're not going to know for a long time whether it's right or wrong. Check back in five years. I know it just happened. We need to react to it. That's my brain in the 24-hour news cycle rearing its head right there. Let's get a little bit more sample size than six games, six regular season games, as hot as they've been. But I do like the pick, and I agree with it. Number six is going to be Packers giving nine and a half points to the football team based in Washington. Aaron Rodgers really enjoyed what could have been his swan song at Soldier Field. He loved talking smack to the fans. He conjured up a vintage performance. And really, if you look after week one, this team has looked like a Super Bowl contender. I would argue they've looked as good as the Cardinals, certainly capable of competing with the Cardinals and anybody in the NFL at, the, at this point. The Rodgers storyline about the offseason, put it to bed, doesn't matter anymore. He's back to playing MVP caliber football. And you look at a team like the football team, which is redundant to say, and I can't believe they still don't have a new name. We're going to be in the same position five years from now saying football team, and it's still going to be ridiculous, but they're two and four. 
and they could really be 0-6. Their two wins came against the Giants and the Falcons by a combined five points. Both those teams stink. I am not trusting them against a quality opponent, and I'm certainly not going to be trusting them in Green Bay. Stat guru Kyle, I love it. The only reason I have questions about this line is that, you know, so far Rodgers has been playing pretty close to an MVP caliber level, but it's different from last year in that he isn't destroying teams yet. When you look at his stat lines, nothing stands out as anything insane. It's pretty standard for Rodgers, which is still better than almost everybody else. But for Rodgers, it's standard. Now, the other side of that is that I think Taylor Heineke is like really bad. I really do not think he is a good quarterback. I don't even know if he could become a Chase Daniel type. So nine and a half Rogers, you know, it's a comfortable bet. I'm just not sure. I just think that football team is terrible. Like this is, this is a reflection of the football team more than it is of how many points the Packers can put up in bunches. Cause they've struggled with that at times this year. But again, for the purpose of what we're talking about here, nine and a half is uh, I like that. I like that a lot. Well, they just went on the road and won by 10 against the bears team that has a heartbeat a lot of people looked at the Bengals game and as an example of kind of the Packers playing down to the competition, the Bengals are four and two. They're pretty good. And there were some missed kicks. There was some sloppy play. It was on the road. I'm ready to forgive and forget. I think getting back to the friendly confines is going to be just what the doctor ordered for Rogers. What do we have at number five? Well, you said it. The Bengals are a good football team. And that's why my fifth favorite bet for the week is Bengals plus 6.5 over the Ravens. Now it's going to be tough. These AFC North matchups are always absolute rock fights, but the Bengals are actually ninth in rushing yards given up per game this year, which is pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. That's way better than whatever the Chargers put out there last week, which is why the Ravens were able to walk all over them. The Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase connection is for real and plus 6.5 favorites against a divisional opponent is pretty generous. I wrote in our predictions post that I think that Joe Burrow is going to pull this one out. If that's a little bold for your taste, then at least bet them to cover because I think this is going to be a really close game. I agree. I don't trust Lamar Jackson week to week. If that makes sense, I trust him long-term to be better more often than he's bad. I do think that he's capable of kind of having the games where you're like, uh, this guy's supposed to be the MVP of the league. I think that Cincinnati has a heartbeat and they have a pulse and they play hard. And I think that Burrow went unnoticed largely, uh, in a pretty good rookie year. And he's, I wrote earlier this year that he's the NFL's best kept secret. That secret is starting to get out. Like you said, that, that connection he has with Jamar chase, they have some really good skill position players and some weapons for him to utilize. And this team plays hard and they're not afraid of a close game. I don't think there's going to be many times this year that they get blown out. And I don't think that this week is one of them. So I am down for that. I am riding for it. And let's just say if they do pull it off, I think you got to start talking playoffs and kind of a dark horse team. And we're seeing the shape of the AFC. There are some surprising teams with good records. And there are some teams that were expected to walk away with their divisions that are kind of playing a lot closer to the mean than we would have thought. So we could be in a situation down the road where we're looking at a really jam packed and interesting playoff picture. Yeah, I sort of see Joe Burrow to me so far is kind of the great equalizer. I think, you know, it's early. He's only played, what, 10 career games to this point. But 
Joe Burrow strikes me as a type of quarterback who will never play on a bad team. Teams quarterback by Joe Burrow for a full season will be average at best. We still have to see if he's, you know, any better than the Cincinnati version of Andy Dalton, who did something similar only to kind of blow it in the playoffs pretty regularly. Burrow needs to, this is a big statement game for Burrow. He hasn't really faced a lot of elite quarterback in competition. You know, the bank, like we mentioned earlier, the Bengals came close to beating the Packers, but I don't really, I wouldn't really say that Joe Burrow went toe to toe with Aaron Rodgers in the regard that we're talking about right now. But I think, you know, this is, this is the game. This is the game that tells us how real the Bengals are. And, but for my money, the Bengals are better than a six and a half point underdog. At number four, I'm going to take the team that notched a huge victory last night in the Titans. They're getting four and a half points at home against the Chiefs. Uh, you got to take it. You have to take this this line. I, I, I'm sorry. I know that Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense is capable of going out there and scoring 45 points. The thing is, I kind of think the Titans offense is as well. Derrick Henry is a load to tackle. The Chiefs were the first team to give up at least 29 points in the first five games of their season. They responded with a good effort over the weekend, but again, against inferior talent. They're playing a bruising team, a team that I mentioned that has higher aspirations. Like they can very much win their division. They can very much compete for maybe a bye if the Chiefs continue to struggle. And this would be a huge game to put them two games ahead of them in the standing. So, I know that this means different things to different people, but to me, he's the biggest weapon in the NFL because he's a unicorn. No other team has what he is, just this battering ram. And it's always going to be reliable because you can't just totally shut him down. If you do, you open up yourself up for attack in the passing game. So I love the Titans in this spot. I would be interested in taking them straight up and if you're going to give me four and a half points i'm jumping all over that because if kansas city goes in there and pulls off a convincing win it will surprise me yeah i don't know how you could watch this chiefs defense over the opening six weeks of the season and decide that they're going to keep this game out of reach especially on a four and a half point line i mean Derrick Henry is awesome. We knew that, but the Chiefs defense in the past has been below average, but passable this year. It's really bad. I don't think the Titans have a better chance to beat the Chiefs than they do this week in the bigger picture. Chiefs fixed their problems in the second half of the Washington game last week a little bit. Mahomes stopped doing dumb stuff, but these the Chiefs are out of whack. I don't think you can view it any other way. The Chiefs are completely out of sorts right now. The Titans are coming off a very emotional win on Monday Night Football. You know, Derrick Henry apparently doesn't get tired because he is a monster created by some sort of football scientist. I have to assume that's the case because there's no way this guy came about naturally. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's insane. He's awesome. So four and a half points. I mean, come on. For number three, I am going with the... Seattle Seahawks, who are five-point underdogs at home against the Saints. I know Russell Wilson is gone. I know Geno Smith is not Russell Wilson. But they stayed in the game against the Steelers. And yeah, Ben Roethlisberger is not exactly at the height of his prime anymore. But still, that's a three-point loss, and that's at home. These guys know how to play at home. They know how to leverage the crowd noise. There's a certain level of motivation that comes into play when they're underdogs at home against a team like the Saints, which has not looked, you know, they have not looked particularly dominant this year. 
you get two Jameis Winstons on a week-to-week basis. There's the one who throws four touchdowns on like 13 completed passes. And then there's the one who throws one touchdown, one interception on 20 completed passes. And I'm banking on us getting the latter version there. I can see the Saints winning this game. I cannot see them winning this game by a touchdown. I don't think that that is in the cards especially with the Saints coming off a bye. That means extra rest, but I also don't think Jameis Winston is comfortable enough in this system yet to be able to be able to pick up where he left off without missing a beat. Five-point underdogs, Seahawks at home is easy money. It has been for a long time now, and it will be again this week. Extra rest can mean extra rust, as a wise football coach once said. And if they didn't say it, they should start saying it. You can take that, uh, put that out in the creative commons. I kind of like that. I agree. I think on Monday night with the season on the line, Geno Smith is not bad. I mean, he competed last week. He competed when he took over for Wilson and injured Wilson two weeks ago. Even if it's the wrong side, it's the right play on Monday night. It's a lot of points. You can trust that the Seahawks will try to make this a shorter game. I'm not expecting them to be throwing the ball deep and going for a lot of quick strikes. I think they can try to make this I think they'll try to make this a slugfest kind of like in the 17 to 14 vein. And if my math is correct, that gets you home quite comfortably with the win going out to the West coast, playing a primetime game. It's one of those things that people don't realize that it's still a thing. It's still hard. Um, we make all these advances in sports, but anytime your team on the East coast gets sent out to the West coast to play a time at play at a, interesting time or a West coast team comes for the one o'clock game. There is something to be said about things can kind of spiral out of control. Largely they are not at their sharpest. I think in order to trust a saints cover, you would need them to be at their absolute sharpest in Seattle against that hostile crowd. The uncertainty, whether you're going to get a bunch of Taysen Hill reps, all of that combines for me to think that, yes, I think that this is a four-quarter game and you're going to want those points in a close game as opposed to not having them. The number two pick on the board for us is the Broncos getting four points against the Browns. Let's get nuts with this one. Yes, it is in Cleveland, but Baker Mayfield's arm was in a sling the last time we saw him, not his throwing arm. We know that he had shoulder issues to begin with. This game is in like 50 hours. I don't think he's playing, man. I, I, nothing official has come out on that. And, and maybe by the time you're listening to this, they have announced that he is going to give it a go. Even if that's true, I don't think he's going to be particularly effective. The Browns are three and three with Baker Mayfield. There has been a lot of infighting. Stephen A. Smith is getting involved now. It's as if he's got OBJ's camp trying to get Beckham Jr. out of town, which is really interesting. There is some friction. I love Baker Mayfield. It's a bummer to see that a season with such expectations has kind of devolved into the downside of that is when you do have the attention of the public and things start to go wrong, the questions and the drama and the first take segments spawn out of that. In terms of the Broncos, look, Vic Fangio loves a 10-7 to game. He loves to slop it up a 17-14 to game. Like I mentioned, in the last game we looked at, he'll want to run the football. He'll want to melt the clock. Thursday night games are notoriously ugly and point-averse in the early going. So with all those factors at play, we take the free points. We take Baker Mayfield potentially being out of the game. It's gross. 
bring on the slop. We'll take our money in the end any way we can get it. There could not be a worse week for the Browns to have to play a Thursday night game than this week. They are perhaps the most injured team in the NFL right now. Their top two running backs are out. Their top two tackles are out. We talked a lot about Mayfield's injury just now. They lost their star rookie to a high ankle sprain. I mean, these guys are limping around out there. I would have trouble betting my money on the Browns being able to cover if they were underdogs and they are favorites. I mean, no matter which way you slice it, the Broncos at plus four is free money, basically, because the Broncos are not a bad team. I think it's certainly worth questioning whether or not they're a good team. But Teddy Bridgewater has found some sort of new life in his ability to throw more than 10 yards down the field in this offense. And Vic Fangio's defense is always going to be fine at worst, although last week certainly pulled that into question. But the Browns don't have the kind of deep threats that the Raiders do. They can't stretch the field vertically. With where the Browns are right now, with the injured injuries piling up, with everything going on, it's impossible, even at home, to have confidence in the Browns being able to beat the Broncos by more than four points. That is the easiest money you'll find on the sheet this week, except our number one pick of the week. It's going to be the Colts as three and a half point underdogs over the Niners. Now, the Colts, we were all kind of made fun of them earlier in the year because Carson Wentz looked like the same guy. But while Carson Wentz still has these bizarre weirdo fumble turnover things uh, going on, he has only thrown one interception, one, as a member of the Colts through six weeks of football. That doesn't mean he is fixed. That doesn't mean he's back to the Carson Wentz of 2015, but turnovers are always what killed Carson Wentz teams. And then you take into the fact that they're underdogs against a team who we don't have any idea who's starting at quarterback this week, both Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lancer heard. Uh, they had a bye week to get over things this week, but you know we haven't seen any update on that. Maybe when you're listening, there might be an update on it. But, but either way, no matter who's starting, they're coming off some kind of injury. It's a home game, and Kyle Shanahan does love to cook up a good run game when he's at home and when his quarterbacks are hobbled. He's had to do that a lot over the last couple of years. But you know the Colts took care of business against the Texans. They looked like a competitive team in their overtime loss to the Ravens two weeks ago. I think they've come a long way since the earlier weeks of the season. And I think this is going to be a statement win for Frank Reich and Carson Wentz. With this Colts team, I don't like them. I don't care for them. I don't think they're any good. And yet they're kind of tough and they're difficult to beat. And I think that they take that from their head coach, Frank Wright. Carson Wentz, yes, he gets injured a lot, but he's tough. Like he will willingly injure himself to get an eight yard pickup and playing them requires playing Beating them requires playing 60 minutes of good football. To me, the Niners have been a disappointment this year. Um, it's clear that Jimmy Garoppolo is not the quarterback that can win them a Super Bowl. I know it. I think that you know it. And if Trey Lance was ready to play right now, he would be playing. And I think that the great hope was that Trey Lance, well, this guy is eventually going to be awesome. He's going to be like Rodgers. He's going to be like Mahomes. And I think that he will be, but he does need some more seasoning. So it leaves this year kind of like these two choices that aren't great because we know Garoppolo's obvious limitations, which rear their head usually in a situation where you don't trust them to blow teams out because they're not attacking the field vertically, or you get 
Lance in there whose ceiling is incredibly high, but it's also prone to a mistake. And, you know, it's tough for a young player, even someone with that much talent to put together a full game without making a major mistake. So you combine all those factors and the Colts are undervalued here. I agree. This should probably be in the one and a half one range, maybe even a pick them. I start to wonder, I mean, extrapolating out from this, let's just do the thought experiment real quick. As we close here, what the conversation is going to be like for the 49ers, should they lose this game fall to three and four in what is arguably the most competitive division in football? How quick are we hitting the panic button? And, and would we get a quarterback change? Uh, I don't see a quarterback change just because I think that the mindset of the team and the way that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have been talking, that this is not going to be a development year. They're going to ride Jimmy G if they feel like he can go. Lance is going to play if he can't go, which happens pretty often. And it's an ultra competitive division. They know they can't drop a game. If they lose the game, the panic meter is fairly high, but it depends a lot on the manner in which they lose it. If they end up keeping it close and uh, the defense looks characteristically, you know, fierce, uh, Nick Bosa out there making Carson Wentz's life miserable. That's one thing. But if we're talking Jimmy G looks pathetic like he occasionally does, or if Trey Lance shows once again that he's a 21-year-old rookie who's played like five football games in the last two years, if he looks like that, then I think that it starts to worry about kind of where, you know, if this team can be any better than mediocre right now and how quickly they can get past that ceiling. And I don't really have an answer for them, especially since I think – the Colts are not particularly respected right now. And the general perception if the Niners drop this game against the Colts is that they just dropped a very winnable game. Whether or not that proves to be true later on in the year is different. But for now, you know, you have to be a little worried if they do drop. And that concludes this episode of the best of seven. We hope we are helping you make some money on uh, this upcoming week. And we're feeling really good. We're hoping to get, keep our record above 500 here, keep our heads above the water. And we'll see you next week. I'm Liam McEwen, and this was Kyle Coster.